Actually, as we're recording this on Saturday morning, um, welcome to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Shoptal, C70 at C70 on Twitter. And back, back from the, for the first time since February, we have the man, the coach, Alan Medlock. And you can find him at Red Dirt Red Bird at Medlock1 on Twitter. Alan, it's been a long time, but it's good to have you back. Yeah, it has been. It seems like it's been years. I was a little worried about the equipment. But it all worked out. Just one little delay, and uh, man, I'm I'm excited to talk some baseball. <laughs> well, before we talk <laughs> about the the upper levels, let's talk about Tulsa Hell, and and yep. how how was it this year? What was the season like for you? And and how was it you know getting into being coaching for the first time? No, it, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. We, uh, you know, I know that I kind of caught you guys up on the beginning of it, but. Uh, we came in and my goal was to, to add energy to a dead program. I mean, it was, and I, I say that loosely, but, but Tulsa public schools has handed us, it, it's, it, what it's done to their, uh, to the local baseball is really tough. Um, the history in a lot of these schools is, is really rich in baseball tradition and just some decisions that they've made have pushed kids to the suburbs and cut sports in other areas. And it's just difficult to, to get a foothold here. So I went in and I was like, okay, we're, I don't know if we're ever going to get it back to where it was, but we need to, to, uh, to, uh, relight this fire, so to speak. We, last year they finished and that would be 21. They finished with, uh, with 11 kids, 11 kids is all they had all year and ultimately played regionals with nine. Well, we had 34 tryout in November and I had to cut some just due to some, physical abilities. And, and I went through and I knew that this was going to be a culture shift and I needed to completely rebuild the, how things were working. And I went through and if you weren't to par on grades, I would, didn't let you play and didn't let you come work with us. I said, you know, it was one of those, I, they needed to, they needed a, you're a student athlete. The student has to come first, had to put them in place on that. And, uh, and we came out, we played hard and with the beauty of it, we were extremely young. Uh, a majority of my starters were freshmen and we have some good sophomores in and then you know the year later we 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 went over and did some recruiting and a lot of the freshmen now our eighth graders coming into freshmen now know that there's some excitement going on so so it was just building blocks and you know ultimately when you're doing building blocks and you're changing the culture and building your own culture and trying to figure out the kids that are right for you sometimes wins and losses are the last things uh Parents sometimes have a hard time understanding <laughs> that, but that's okay. I mean, that that's where we are, and, you know, I'm going to stick with my plan. And and uh, it's it's an unmitigated success, what we've done. I guess to some degree, from what you're talking about there, though, having parents that care about the wins and losses Without a is doubt. better than nothing to not care at all. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's funny. You're in a few parent group, group messages and whatnot, and, you know, 
it's really easy to coach on the other side of that fence. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to think little Johnny's an angel when they don't see him in school. Yeah. And it's one of those situations to where I'm like, hey, I could probably shoot back pretty easy on a few of those things. I said, but the fact that you care enough to send me messages about, and none of them are negative. Now, all of them are, hey, how can we build this together? And, you know, let's let's see how we can change your practice, which <laughs> you're just like, okay, give me a break here. But, uh, you know, at least they're willing to send those text to you and call you and you know they come to the field and the if i need field work you know i send a text message out and we have the kids out i mean we we're about and we're about 90 minutes outside of oklahoma city and our first summer game was the third doubleheader in oklahoma city left mid-afternoon the whole roster went in a summer this is the first probably hail summer league they've done in 10 to 15 years the whole roster went the beauty of it though is the next day is when men's league started and seven of the seven or eight of the roster players that could get a ride there came and helped me do the field. Man. So that's one of those that's unasked. They just want to be around the game. And I, I feel like these are some pretty good building blocks. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. And, uh, you know, hopefully then you take that next step next year and, and with a year of practice and, and play yep. under your belt, that's going to be something that you're looking forward to for next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I was hired in August, but I didn't get on campus till October just due to the background processes and stuff like that. And the minute you, the minute I touched down, it was 10,000 miles an hour. I'm ready to have a full year to, to kind of prepare and do these things just because I didn't know what hand I was dealt. I knew, I knew I was, I knew I dealt with a lot of inexperience, but when I say inexperience, there are some, some teams that build with freshmen that don't have high school experience. I built with freshmen that had never put a glove on before. Yeah. And that, that surprised me. And, uh, but these kids will outwork anybody and they'll run through a wall for you. So I feel like, uh, you know, the, the arrows definitely pointed upward. Well, I know I saw a few, you know, shared on the uh, Tulsa hell page of, have of people that were really uh, excited and, and happy of what you did with their kids. And so I know that uh, you're in a good spot going forward and, and hopefully that will just continue. Absolutely. That's, that's the goal. So, uh, you know, finish out, we finish out, uh, summer this Thursday and then we have dead week and I'm going to give everybody time, go to vacation, have fun. And then we're going to uh, hit the weight room back in Jan in, uh, late July. Well, hopefully, you know, at least summer we'll, we'll have you in here. Um, and we can talk about these Cardinals and hopefully they'll give us plenty of good things to talk about because not only are you returning, but they have returned to their natural place, and that is the top of the NL Central after winning last night. And the Brewers had a, kind of hitting a skid uh, that I don't yeah. know that we all expected. But um, Cardinals half game up on the Brewers, and uh, you know this team is obviously not perfect, and this team is not you know necessarily a juggernaut. But it feels like this team has started to kind of come together and be that kind of team that we would hope to see. Yeah, I agree with that. That's uh, that was they. They're just they're solid. You know, I know there's going to be bumps in the road, and it's so funny to see the social media pushback on, on a lot of things. And I, I understand that's just because of the rabid fan base. It uh, you know, you go down to 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 uh, Tampa, who's not a bad ball club. You're playing in a in a weird environment. You get swept in. You know what was a really good game on uh, on Thursday, but. It, it's one where you think that, you know, things are falling apart when you look at the standings and Milwaukee's in a worse situation. Um, I think there's a little bit of trepidation just due to the pitching and there's going to be, I think that uh, everybody was, I think that's a little bit of hangover from last year, but I do, I, I mean, 
I kind of feel like you're going to get a lot better O'Neill coming forward. I feel like there's a lot of growth there. Um, you know, I think you, your outfield is pretty much set, and I think that they feel like they have something to prove at this point. And, you know, you have two superstars in the infield. Um, that's 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 where we are. I mean, it, what I what I love, and this kind of takes it back to the 80s, which I know that not everybody wants to hear, is <laughs> I like the fact that we're seeing Bader and Edmund stealing bases and mm-hmm. moving and moving around. And, and it's they've been an exciting team to watch, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's true. And there's I mean, there's nothing wrong with that kind of speed and, and using it, especially in this time of day when people aren't. It's a little bit of a, you know, marketed efficiency, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it is it's it's nice to have that blend, I guess is the best part of it is, you know, you've got guys that can get on and steal a base, but then you've got guys that can, you know, double them in or hit a home run or, or whatever the case may be. Um Dylan, you're right. Dylan Carlson comes back last night. Tyler O'Neill came back last week. Um, and, you know, for the fact that, you know, there was that talk about Tyler O'Neill, you know, coming off the IL, he was probably going to be better. And so far, that seems to be the case. It seems like maybe he just needs that mental reset sometimes um, because he's played pretty well. I mean, again, going through Tampa Bay and running into some pretty good pitching, he's still. Um, you know, was one of the bright spots of the offense in that series. Yeah, that's uh, and it. You know, it's just going to be. I think that we're going to see a lot of growing pains. You know, in and out. You know, the league's going to figure you out, and in one of those, and it'll be it all be about adjustments at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like offensively we don't have a lot to gripe about. There probably will be parts of the season where we do, but um, there, Marmol's impressed me with, and it, it may have been. This may be by design, but the way that he makes lineups, I really like, and the way that he's playing players, I really like, and and sometimes that's the at the expense of a superstar, you know, and that's uh, or a, or a traditional superstar. But but I feel like uh, I feel like they're in a really good place right now. I feel like Marmol has done what Mike, well, probably even Matheny, but definitely Mike Schilt kind of talked about is being flexible, being able to, you know, shift things around and stuff. Of course, the time they gave too much flexibility to Matheny, it didn't go well. But, um, you know, I think that we've we've talked about this in the past, but we're actually seeing it now, a guy that and, – and having guys like Brendan Donovan that can play every position and you can, you know, put him at third if you need to and give – let Arnauto DH or, or a day off. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then put him in the outfield the next day and put him at second base. Um, you know, that game, um, boy, what, I guess, what, I can't remember. I guess it was the Cubs game uh, on Sunday night. But it just felt like Marmol was pulling all the all the f- switches and putting all the buttons because, he, you know, pinch it, you know, late in the game with and Gorman, let him play second base. But then when, you know, the lefty was back in there, they took Gorman out and, you know, had Brandon Donovan. Um, just being able to see that kind of flexibility and not being forced to have a guy hit in a bad situation necessarily. Um, it's, it's something it's, it's kind of going back to the, the old Tony La Russa, I, um, you know, of there's not a set lineup and you kind of show up every day and figure out where exactly you're, you're hitting or if you are. Well, it, yeah. And it goes back to uh, the situation of, you know, I remember talking a few years ago to where, Hey, the, the lineup's going to be really good with the depth. You, you're just going to have to improve the depth because that's the way the baseball is going to work from now on. And I think that they've, they've done that greatly. And I found like, feel like they found that diamond in the rough with Donovan. Yeah. Um, he has the ability to hit with two strikes 
which I love. And it's one of those, he is, he's going to be invaluable for them. I mean, that's going to have, you're going to come with the, the peaks and valleys, so to speak, mm-hmm. with, with a player like that. But he's, he's one of my favorites just because he gets so deep, he works so deep in accounts. Um, and that's, that's, that's huge. I mean, it's funny. I, I kind of wish that I love being busy, but I remember a couple years ago when you get a Libertor or a Gorman, I mean, we're probably jumping on right then to talk about it. And, uh, it's so nice to see that, that they have kind of, they've kind of rewarded the club by bringing them up. I mean, completely, Gorman completely has, I know that he's had a few dips, but, but he'll get there. And then, you know, Libertor probably has a little a touching up to do, but, but he'll be here in the long, for the long run. And those are this, it's so nice last year that it would have been, you would have been like, if he's up, he's going to have to stay. And they have a little bit of flexibility, even in a rotation that, that feels like it has a whole, a few holes. The ability to send him back down and not really miss a beat is is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, boy, it's just you really like what this offense looks like. You're right. I think you you kind of hit that on the head. Um, now the pitching staff might be a little bit of a different story. Um, sure. And and again, they're holding their own, and we've seen some very good things. Like you said, Libertor. You know, we talked before with the uh, show, we talked about Palante and how he pitched last night. Um, and I think we've, you know, I think there are a couple of weak spots in the bullpen uh, that we could talk about. And, you know, but once Jack Flaherty comes back, assuming Jack Flaherty comes back at the level that we think he's going to pitch at, um, it's, it becomes a little bit harder to see the holes in that staff, right? Because, you know, when Flaherty's there, I think you feel pretty confident, especially with the way that Dakota Hudson has pitched over the last two outings. I and mean, maybe we can talk about whether we think that's going to continue or not. But, um, you know. And that may be a question his whole career, too. You know, yeah. I, you know, we've had, it seems like we've had this for three years now. But that, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, but I, I think that's a yeah. good point. We can go ahead and go that way then, because I think that um, I was listening to the, the talking about birds guys this week, and they were talking about how the last couple games, um, Hudson has thrown his uh, slider more um, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's a, a combination of, you know, pitch com allowing him to pitch faster and changing his mix. Um, but he hasn't, I mean, he, I mean, we talked about it before, you know, watching Carlson was tough <laughs> at times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but he's, he, you know, picking up the pace and pitch it better like that to go, back to back seven innings i think it's possible and again you're right it's going to be something we're going to have to excuse me watch for a few at least the rest of the year but you know if he can do that on a on a regular basis if he's kind of turned some sort of corner that is just that's huge for the cardinals sure sure i mean that's I look at those starts, and I've always been super optimistic about him. Just uh, you know, and may I I know that some people can come through the numbers and find some weak spots that I I'm just not that intelligent to do. You know, it's one of those I always felt like he kept him in games, other than you know walked a few too many guys. But you yeah. felt like that would probably he would learn command of the zone a little bit better as he as he got into the league. You know that his that last two starts are huge. You know, I want to give some credit to somebody though. I don't know. I remember being extremely skeptical that this would happen. But what about Michaelis? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he saved their bacon, really. And it's one of those where he's one of those guys that I really like to watch because he does work quick and he gets a ton of the ground balls, which carry, allows him to go deep. And it was, it's one of those situations to where I was, I, in the back of my mind, thought, man, they're sure putting a whole lot of uh, 
responsibility on him yeah. with with somebody who hasn't necessarily been able to bounce back the last two years. And, and I mean, I feel like he and Hudson have really kept them above bar here for a little while. And that's, uh, and that's really good to see. Um, it, it's one of those two to where I noticed that every, just about every team is kind of playing with that fifth starter, short man, mm-hmm. long man type situation. I feel like extending Cabrera may be telling a little bit at this point, but it, you know, that he's going to be a pretty big bullpen piece. I would think so. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the rotation still kind of feels like it's being held with a Band-Aid, but, but with with Flaherty back, you come back and you're pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, to the and, and I want to agree with you with Michaelis. I, I thought going into the year, I was like, okay, he had that great year when he came over from Japan, but he, he struggled a little bit and he's been injured. And, you know, what are we going to get from him? Is it more like a, you know, a mid-level guy or whatever? And yeah. He, he stepped it up again this year, which is great. I mean, maybe that's all being healthy and, having a normal year and all that kind of stuff. You know, he had a couple of starts there in a row where, where he, you know, struggled, but that's going to happen to pretty much any pitcher. And, you know, to go, he, he, like somebody's pointed out, he's gone up against like pretty much every big pitcher in the league so far. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and they, to watch that, I mean, I didn't watch the game. I kind of followed it on a game day because it was in the middle of the day, but that last game against Tampa Bay, you know, back and back and forth, you know, just make one mistake, but that was, that was about it. And, um, you know, to go yeah. to the game in under two hours these days is, is insane. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and he ran into uh, the hottest hitter in that lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he killed them the whole series. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that just stuff, that stuff happens. Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, if you can, you know, give up only two runs or whatever, and you know, you've done your job. I mean, if he can't, but if he can't score, then that's, that's on either the other side or, or your offense, one of the two. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you get Flaherty back, and assuming, like we say, assuming Flaherty's at least somewhat of what we expect. I mean, nobody expects him to be the second half of 19 again, but um, because that was just so great. But if he can be, you know, in that range of, you know, top starter, um, you know, him and and Wainwright and Michael is at the top of your rotation, um, and then you've got Hudson who's pitching well, and then that fifth spot becomes really interesting, right? Because sure. you know, when, when Steven Matz is, is healthy, you figure he's got it, but you know, then you do have Libator, then you do have, you know, Palante, then maybe like I said, maybe there's something they're doing here with Cabrera. I always like to think that, you know, Cabrera, you know, there's that story that's going around before that Cubs game that he uh, put up a, a four, held up four fingers, showing that Marmol Marmol took that as he could give him four innings. I wanted to say that Cabrera meant he had four outs at him and all that. Yeah. Ollie <laughs> yeah. said, oh, four innings. Yeah, that's it. Uh, um, but to, to see that was, that was an amazing, I, I never would have expected that out of Hennessy uh, Cabrera I, yeah. to, to go four innings. And I mean, cause he, you know, that command is always iffy, but he could, when he's on, he's on, but you know, I just, yeah, this rotation, I mean, if you can get down to your fifth starter spot, and you're talking about Steven Matz and Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson and, and all these kind of guys, you're going to be doing fine um, because everybody else in that rotation should be able to give you, you know, we'll see how far they want to extend Flaherty for a while, but they could all give you six innings on the regular basis and, and maybe longer. And then you don't have to worry so much about the last little bit of that bullpen. That's kind of iffy. Sure. And, you know, the the scary part about the the back end of the bullpen is, you know, you and I have talked about this for the five or six years that we've done the show. It's a roll of the dice with a bullpen. You know, sometimes you're going to get beat up and it feels like that's what's happened with Gallegos now. 
yeah. to where it is one of those, you know, he was rock solid for a few years and now he's the guy that has, has trouble throwing strikes a little bit. And those things happen. I mean, that that's a bullpen, but th- that's probably where they would improve here in about a month, I would think. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I kind of think they, they're confident in that runoff of the rotation a little bit to help them in the, in the, in the uh, bullpen too, which I'm, I'm not always a big believer in, but, but you know, it, that, that may be the direction they they try to go. Well, and you've got, I mean, we've kind of the elephant in the room, I don't know, or the, the question mark there is Jordan Hicks, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel like Jordan Hicks is going to be a starter when he comes back. Um, but you know, can they manage him, as part of that bullpen and can he, you know, in, with, you know, knowing that he's only pitching an inning or two, um, you know, have a little bit better command and, and be what we have seen him be in the bullpen before. Um, you know, there's, there's still some development I think that Jordan Hicks needs to do, but yeah. you know, if you put him in the seventh inning, sixth or seventh inning um, on a game you're winning, and then you still have, I mean, Gallegos and Helsley, uh, even Cabrera. I mean, if, if you've got four guys like that that you really can trust, assuming you can trust Hicks on that, um, that means you don't have to pitch every one of them every day, right? I mean, that's what we got into. Um, what was it? It was uh, the first game against Tampa Bay, right? No, the second game, um, which was going to turn into a bullpen game, but you didn't have any of the good arms available, right? Yeah. We've had that a couple of times where it's like, you know, they get down and, you know, you can't, you don't really even have to worry about coming back because there's nobody there to hold a lead. If you get it, sure. um, if you can get where you can pitch, you know, Helsley and Cabrera on one day and Hicks and um, Gallegos on another day, then you don't have to feel like you're going to be waving a white flag when you come into a game. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, that, I was going to go that direction with Hicks as well, just to kind of see what happens. It was on the injury front. It, it's one of those to where the lines, there were a couple lines dropped last night about how Matt's may be further, mm-hmm. further away than we think. And I wonder, I hope that's not the situation with Hicks. And I hope that that's somebody that's, that, that he's ready to rock the fire and go you know, late in the, in the, in the uh, late in games, because that's, that would be a huge addition without, you know, going on the market to get somebody, you know, that, you know, you're it, like I said, it's the roll of the dice. You never know. But uh, yeah, it it feels like Palante's feeling that uh, Hicks role now a potential starter and, and short starter or however they plan to do it. I I mean, you never know. I mean, every team seems to be doing that with that fifth spot. And that's kind of the Tampa, the way Tampa Bay started a few years ago. So, you know, you know how the game is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, Hicks is the big question mark. I mean, it, he comes back and, and you feel pretty stable back there at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hicks. I mean, I see here that they say Hicks could be going on a rehab assignment starting next week. Um, so he may not be that far back. In fact, we may get him and Jack Flaherty back around the same time, especially if you're not planning on stretching Hicks out to be back, you know, which I mean, <laughs> They never stretched picks out to be a starter beforehand. They just threw him in there. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I gotta feel like, you know, and I've talked about it before. If you want to make Jordan Hicks a starter, he needs time at maybe even Springfield, but definitely Memphis. Um, and I don't know that, you know, he definitely doesn't do the main club any good if he's starting uh, at the big league level. So 
I don't think they will. I think that they'll just put him back in the bullpen and figure out if they can manage him from a health perspective as well. Yeah. I know it's you know, that was part of moving him to a starter. But um, I, I just – it feels like they – have, have moved on from that. And it's a little bit, I mean, it's a little disappointing just because for him, especially because I feel like, you know, maybe if he had done that at, at Springfield or Memphis, that um, we would have had a, he would have had a better chance of actually succeeding at the big league level in the starter role. But now it feels like he's almost kind of pigeonholed into being a reliever just because he's never going to get that chance to develop. Yeah. I mean, it's uh as much as I hate to bring it up, I mean, injuries stink. I get yeah. it. But, uh, boy, you see a lot of Alex Reyes right now in yeah. Hicks. And that's frustrating. You know, and that's, uh, you know, I've always kind of blamed the ball club on how they handled Reyes. Uh, probably never see him again. You know, it's a sad thing about it or, or yeah. nowhere what we thought we would be. And I just hope that the mistake's not made with Higgs. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, I mean, some of that's just – some of that's just the, the, the way the nature of the game, right? I mean, yeah. Um, and some people just are more injury prone. I mean, we've seen yeah, that. That's in, true. In different things. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that I think Hicks is somebody that's going to be very interesting to watch his career and see how he develops and then try to figure out if that's better or worse than what would have happened if he had moved up the ranks. Because I mean, if he'd moved up the ranks, you know, because he was what coming out of A ball, you know, if he'd moved up, Maybe he makes it as a starter. Maybe he doesn't make it at all. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe this is the best thing, you know, for his career, for his, you know, ability to make the major leagues. I don't know. Um, but you, you can't, you always got to wonder what would have, what it could have been. It, unless he, you know, flips the switch and just becomes this dominant reliever and then you don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. And that's, I mean, just such an electric arm, you know, the, uh, it, you still, uh, he is young. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, we were having this conversation when we were there, you know, two or three years ago. It's 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 pretty crazy how time can move up, move so quickly. Yeah, especially when you have a year that just pretty much disappears on yeah, you. Yeah, true. Twenty twenty. Um, talking about injuries a little bit. Um, Corey Dickerson probably saved his Cardinal career by getting injured. Don't, don't you think? I, mean, <laughs> I know. I was following on Twitter and I was kind of laughing about that. I mean, because there's, I mean, there's no way that with Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson coming back that they would have, I mean, there was nothing else they could do. Right. I mean, obviously they sent Larry Snoop bar down in this situation, which is fine. I mean, that would have happened. He would have gone down with one of those guys either way, but there's nobody else on this roster that I think they could have legitimately removed and kept Dickerson yeah, and not, not lost the club <laughs> or at least I, I say that i mean the, we say that the, the clubhouse might but i think there would have been a lot of frustrated people if somebody like juan yepes had gone down to keep Corey yeah. on the stuff well and they they've done their job you know that's it's funny we we had talked about when gorman comes he's gonna have to play and he hit his way onto the team and it's like i mean were we gonna do a disservice by not playing and we're sending him back down because of the uh, dickerson contract i was like that yeah. that doesn't seem very fair and that it one a little bit to me seemed like that was a little bit overkill with Dickerson anyway. Even in the, yeah. the signing, I mean, I'm way behind, and I, I mean that may be the the uh, the opinion of of anyone who listens anyway. I don't know, but but it, it for him not to succeed and, and see the starts kind of dwindle away, it was uh, it, I was 
yeah, I kind of wondered if that was the direction they would go and how quick they would they would get, they would move make a move on that. I do wonder if they signed Dickerson. I mean, one, it was just I think to maybe keep the these guys in the minors a little bit to let them develop and yeah. not have to force them into the major league roster, let them get there. When, but I also wonder if it wasn't this idea that he's not going to be here all year. You know, yeah, he's gonna play April and May. Then they may have thought, you know, June or July. I may have thought that it was going to take longer for a need for Yepes or a, you know, a ability to get up Gorman or, or whatever the case. And I, I don't know that they even thought it best or what, you know, Brent Donovan was going to bring. Yeah. Um, but they were just like, we'll get this, the veteran bat in here and he can hold, the, he can hold the line until these kids are, are ready until to one play. Of the are ready. And he just didn't hit very much. And yeah. those kids got here a little quicker. And yeah, now I, I just, it's going to be interesting because he's going to come off the, you know, He'll go on the DL, then they'll probably send him on a, maybe they'll send him on a rehab assignment, but I just, you know, I can't, I can't see it I don't, unless, unless something else happens. And I mean, you're going to have two or three weeks here. Um, you know, we, we've always talked about baseball finding a way, um, but I, you know, I, I got to think that eventually they're going to have to let him go. And that's, and they've done that before. Um, and they've done that. It's not a, a huge contract that's just going to force you to put him on the roster, but um, I, I do think that if it hadn't been for him getting hurt in that game, he was probably gone now. Yeah, it would have, it would have been interesting. And you, and you had, that's a good point about, you know, it's, if he hits, he hits and it's going to be justified. If he doesn't hit, we have other left-handed bats that are coming. I feel like Donovan is the one that has kind of changed that dynamic a little bit that uh, they felt like that new bar was going to be enough. Cause I mean, it went up until spring training when they, when they made the move, but uh, I feel like Donovan coming along has been the one that that's been the biggest um the the biggest challenge to a Dickinson roster spot really yeah yeah I I think so and again I don't know I don't know when they thought Nolan Gorman would be quite ready um I don't expect things they don't think they expect him to hit like 15 home runs in the first month yeah at, at, uh, at Memphis and really kind of force their hand a little bit um and some others but you know, and uh, and they probably thought, you know, obviously they thought Dickerson would do a little bit better. Um, but it got to the point; it's gotten to the point now where you know we talked about it in spring training that he was going to be the dominant side, right? Hit hit the righties and pools hit the lefties at the DH spot. Yeah. Well, you know, now he hardly gets a chance to do that because they're using some of the young guys, and Pujols has faced more righties than he probably should have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just it, it didn't quite play out the way they thought, and they like to use that. De- I think when we talked about that or that idea of okay, we're going to platoon those guys, we didn't really factor in how much flexibility they're really going to do that, right? And I mean, I don't, you know, there's a they really use that DH spot to give some guys that, that off time off and and rotate that lineup a little differently, and they don't necessarily have that fixed person there. Yeah, there's that's been very fluid, which surprised me. You know, that's, that's something we haven't seen in a while because it felt like the fluidity meant that they uh, took a step back, but I just, I don't know if they had necessarily have, I mean, it's, it's yeah. been very nice to see that like, go back on that depth a little bit to where we, uh, you see a lot of productivity up and down the lineup and up and down the roster. Yeah. So Cardinals in first, um, they've got a, a nice schedule right now, right? They got the reds this weekend. They've got four with the Pirates after that. 
um, is, and again, you know, the Brewers, uh, then they go to Boston, which before they match up with the Brewers uh, a week from Monday, um, they've got a chance to put a little bit of distance, right? Because I, I mean, I can't tell you how surprised I was when Josh Hader blew a save. Yeah. Um, and to see them, what they've lost, I think, what, seven in a row now or something like that? Um, to see the Brewers struggle, we knew that the, we thought that the Brewers would probably, you know, they had not played some tougher teams and might start to struggle. But um, I don't know that I, I definitely didn't expect the Cardinals to go into Tampa Bay and get swept and not lose any ground. Yeah, I, th- I thought the same thing, especially, you know, it was kind of that perfect storm of Philly making the, the managerial change and that they're going to uh, come back and play pretty well. Just the typical story of it seems like Girardi's kind of turn and burn. So whatever they let loose, there was kind of that that pressure valve was was released and, and Philly started playing well. So I thought, well, I could kind of see that, but I didn't think that they would get swept, that the Cardinals would be swept to turn around and be, still be in a pretty good situation. Um, now, the the Brewers are without Woodruff, correct? Yeah, in fact, he's going to – it fairly had a setback and it's going to be a okay. problem. Okay, I honestly – even after all these years, I can I confuse Woodruff and the other one, the other one that with the Cy Young winner. Oh, Corbin Burns. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've I always I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad fan. I don't know. <laughs> no. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, it, it's pretty crazy to see where where they've happened. Where you've actually hit a stretch where the Cardinals were kind of not necessarily playing the best best baseball, but then you know take the lead in June, and you know here we are coming to Flag Day, which you know is kind of that uh, unofficial mark to start paying attention, but. You uh, you get there and and you're probably the team that, that you think you are and you're you're trending toward 90 wins and you feel like you're trending toward 90 wins that haven't seen the best out of some of these guys. You know you start seeing an O'Neill that's somewhere similar to next year and they're really really good. And yeah. then you start talking about maybe you know one of the best two or three in the division or in the uh, National League anyway. You know that uh, mm-hmm. it, it could be pretty exciting summer. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The Brewers, looking at the Brewers, I was looking at Woodruff. He's got this thing called Raynaud's syndrome, and it made me, it triggered something because I remembered it's the fingers being cold. And I was like, somebody on the Cardinals had that. And I think I looked it up. It was Matt Bowman, um, which, not surprising because given, <laughs> given Matt Bowman, you know, he couldn't feel his fingers. That's not surprising. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they've also got Freddie Peralta out. Um, I forgot There's, about that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, so you know this that that car that Brewers team was built on pitching, and um, if they don't have pitchers, then that that does become <laughs> difficult. Um, so yeah, I you know, and I, let me see what their schedule is real quick. Uh, it is it's you're right. We're just now hitting those marks where you can start looking at stuff, but it, so it's a little too early to do scoreboard watching and oh yeah uh, and schedule yeah. comparisons, but. Why not? Um, it's and fun. They, yeah. yeah. It's I mean, not as are. much fun when you're in third place by nine games. <laughs> exactly. <you know>? exactly. <laughs> um, the, they've got the Nationals the rest of this weekend, which the Nationals beat them pretty badly last night, but you wouldn't expect that to necessarily continue. But then they go to New York and play the Mets for three, and that's going to be very hard sure. uh, before going to Cincinnati, uh, right before they come into St. Louis. So, you know, the Cardinals got a good chance of, you know, when they meet up, this time, you know, in a week from Monday, there's a good chance Cardinals will, will be the team that's in the t- in the top spot and might be 
they may be teams going in two different directions, I guess. And yeah, and it, it's one of those to where uh, you know that they will be proactive to make some moves to improve pretty quick. And, that, I mean, <laughs> honestly, even at, you know, seven in a row, I'm surprised we heart hearing some of those rumblings just because of how quick they seem to move. Now, I've also heard the pitching market's just saturated, and that's going to be tough to make yeah. any moves this year. So that that may be part of it. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be neck and neck this year. And I would like to be in the driver's seat to where it's not necessarily the uh, the wild card we're shooting for, <laughs> you yeah. know, one of those type of situations. But uh, we have a long way to go, but it's a, it sure is a heck of a lot of fun to see. And, you know, what in what's potentially Wainwright's last year, and we know it's probably Molina and Pujols' last year, this, this is what we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, that's – I mean, it, it couldn't get much better than that unless you go for it through an 4 type deal where you're just a juggernaut. And, you know, I would rather – I would rather do this, what they're doing now, and be ready for a for a good October run instead of run out of gas. Yeah, yeah. Um, just looking at it, Cardinals are fourth in the National League in run differential. That, um, so you know what? It, it's it's really funny. Whenever we were uh, whenever we were talking about doing the show, and I knew that me being in a ta- out of town and with summer ball when I was gonna to uh, gonna come on board. How long has it been, if ever, that we've ever talked about that? Because usually, like last year, they were in the red until late in their run mm-hmm. differential. And now to be in such a good situation, I mean, that that feels pretty good. I think that some of those uh, offensive woes have been alleviated. And and uh, you, you have some pitching in place. Well, while it could be better, you uh, it, it feels pretty good to be on the plus side so much. Because I don't think we've seen that in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, and then when they have, it's been because the pitching staff has been so good. Yeah, right. I exactly. mean, they, they might win a lot of games four to one or something like that. Um, and so after uh, over time it builds up. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, you look at where they're at in, you know, runs scored. They are, if I'm just, just, a, just trying to eyeball it here, looks like they're about uh, right around fourth there. I mean, they're behind the Mets, they're behind the Dodgers. Um, they're behind the Giants. Uh, that's, and the the Bray and the Phillies. I guess it's not surprising the Phillies have a lot of run scored because that's all they got going for. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, I mean that, that to have an offense that's right in that range because you're right they've they've definitely struggled on that side of things. Um, it's um, you know it does feel like this team is starting to. I mean, there's still flaws. They're they're 14 and 16 with over uh, against teams that are over 500, but that's. In part because they just got swept by the Rays, you know. Before that, yeah. they were, they were yeah. on on the plus side. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, and another thing that's interesting about where we are right now with the Brewers in a, in a, in a kind of a tailspin, and it, it's not going to last. They're going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But I will say, the Brewers played the tougher schedule, the or the weaker schedule, the first half of the year, and that's right. going to flip. Yeah. So that I mean that that's another thing to look forward to, and and we may face a Cincinnati team. Toward the end of the year, that has nobody, you know, it, and not that they're necessarily a juggernaut right now, but I'm just, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. I, you can feel, um, um, you can kind of feel that, uh, you can kind of feel that, uh, <laughs> you, you can, that two or three of their top pitchers that they have now, which I'm not even sure if they're top pitchers anymore, that, that won't be with them. So I'm not sure what Cincinnati is going to have late in the year. Yeah, I mean there is that, and I and I, that's very possible. But it's also possible that you face a Cincinnati team that has 
started to figure out how to play to each other. You know, you know, young guys that have gotten a chance to develop a little bit more. I mean, we've seen what Hunter Green can do. Um, well, that'll be a tough one today. Yeah, I mean, that's a big score runs. Yeah, um, you know, that's a guy that you know. I mean, you just don't know exactly what you're going to get. But if he, when he, if he got more consistent. Um, yeah, but you're right. You're going to face the a Reds team that, you know, yeah, by the end of the season, by the second half, any parts that they have, good chance that they're gone. You got a Cubs team that in the second half may not have Wilson Contreras. Um, and you got a Pittsburgh team right now. It's third place. Um, which, I mean, I think that just tells you the, the kind of the state of the division and they're, you know, maybe they're building a little bit of something out there or maybe they're playing over their heads. We don't know, but, um, the fact that the, this this year you get that unbalanced schedule, and I think that's you know next year you don't get this right. Um, it's not I'm not a real big fan of this idea for next year of playing everybody um, because I like to have the the divisional matchups. I know sometimes yeah. it's a little tiring of man we just played these guys, but you know if you beat the teams in the central, then you should win the central. And yeah. you know, if you're beating teams out of the east and the and the west and and piling up wins that way. I, you know, I, I don't know, but, and I, and I know even with the schedule next year, they're going to have more games against the central. It's just not as many as we've seen. Yeah. Um, it's from 19 to 12, correct? Something like that. I head think. to heads. Okay. I think, I think that's what it is, but I'm not certain. Yeah. I, th- I think it is. Cause I think it's, yeah, either two homes and one away or, you know, I guess it's, it's both. There's two, two homes, no. two ways. Yeah. I, th- I think it goes down to 12. So it's still something. Um, but, and I guess, you know, be selfish. I mean, you know, with the central, you want as many games against Pittsburgh and, and Cincinnati yeah. and the Cubs as you can get. Uh, That's true. But, you know, I guess it'll pay off if you have another one of those years, like what, 2015, where, you know, three teams go to the, um, go to the playoffs out of that division. Yeah. Um, so then you won't have to play them as much, but you know, I, I, I like where the Cardinals are going. Um, I like what they've got, you know, schedule wise and, and how this division looks. And, um, I, you know, they're just kind of starting to put it all together. And, and it's, I guess we probably didn't give enough credit to how much it might take them a little time to get adjusted to what Marmol is doing too. And by Marmol, I think we can also say the front office, right? Cause this is kind of yeah. a tandem thing, but to see this, you know, ability to juggle and, and shift around, and keep people perhaps keep them um you know engaged a little bit more because you never know when you're going to play um but you know there's probably a little bit of adjustment period there too and you know hopefully now they're just about to take off yeah i would i would think so i mean it's kind of all the pe- all the chips seems to be falling into place it's uh it'll be exciting to kind of see what uh what happens or what moves or what moves they they may need to make or or may come back and make and and i mean there's you know there's a name that i'm going to bring up whenever we're ready to kind of start winding down just to see this you know are we uh what kind of moves and what kind of guys are you think they're going to hold on to or what kind of guys do you think that they're going to trade and that's a it's really a good question and it's a decent time time to start talking about it um you know because you start looking at this thing and especially you know, like two a month ago, we're talking about oh, they gotta go out and get a starter. Yeah, or they gotta go to this. Well, now we're like, okay, maybe not. Maybe this this we've got enough there. I mean, a, a starting pitcher would always be helpful, but 
you know, maybe you don't want to pay the prices for somebody like yeah. that when you've got fairly good quality throughout the rotation. Um, I still think probably that's where they would go. Um, but if Steven Mass is coming back, eh, I don't know. Um, you know, the another solid bullpen arm would help. But I don't, you know, I can't see them getting a, a, a hitter for any reason because there's, you know, there's not enough places right now. Yeah. Um, oh, what are you thinking? Well, is DeYoung traded for a bullpen piece? <sighs> I think that's a possibility. Well, long story. I Have we seen the last of DeYoung? <sighs> I'm, I'm about to pull up because I know he had started to hit in Memphis. Yeah, which, yeah, without a doubt. Which is... One, nice to see. Two, difficult to judge. Because, you know, that was what we talked yeah, about yeah. Um, when he came up here was, or when he when he was in the majors, was that he wasn't getting fastballs. Um, and he wasn't able to hit things that weren't fastballs. Um, I don't know what his pitch mix is down in, in um, AAA. He's hitting 225. He has six homers and 21 RBI. Uh, in his 102 at bats, um, so it's still a little frustrating. You'd, you'd like to see a guy that's supposed to be playing at the major league level, you know, doing a little bit more. I think overall at Memphis, but maybe that's enough for people to to think. I I hate to say that we have, but I also don't see without injuries a path for him back. Anyway, that's kind of how I feel at this point. Uh, I. I kind of thought the uh, nail in the coffin was when they finally moved Edmund short. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those is like, okay, now you're kind of, uh, you, they, they did the company line about how it would hurt them defensively so much. And to see, see that it necessarily, that it hasn't, mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be tough to justify. Um, and, and it kind of stinks, but you know, a change of scenery may work well for him. We kind of said that in the off season mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that, uh, that if he doesn't hit now, we're running into three years that he hasn't. And you you feel like that you're that you have your back covered with several areas now that that uh, um, that it's just going to be hard to see a pathway back for him to be in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, middle infield, you've got Gorman, you've got Sosa, you've got Edmund and you've got Donovan that could cover yeah. that, um, you know, and none of those guys, again, bar an injury, none of these guys are going down or anything. You've got to have them on your roster. So even if you could, which, I mean, I don't think there's a way to do that, but even if you could get, get Paul DeYoung on your uh, staff, when's he going to play? Why would you have him there? Yeah. Um, you know, again, I hate to think that. I agree. Then, you know, but I, I think there's a, a decent possibility that, that that's the case because um, it does feel like there's covered. And, uh, you know, there's baseball is full of people that had a great first year and then kind of never – were the same. Um, and it's not quite Paul DeYoung's story, but it's close. Um, and the idea that he just can't adjust perhaps to breaking pitches or whatever, whatever the situation is, or, um, it's, it's not unheard of. Um, you know, it's also not unheard of for somebody to bounce back. And, but, uh, you're right. It may be a situation where somebody takes a flyer on him. Um, it, you know, on the flip side, getting a guy that has had success, the success that he's had at the major league level for 
a bullpen piece that probably you were going to let go at the end of the season or was going to be a free agent at the end of the season anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a decent return on investment, I would think, for a, a team like, I don't know, you know, a, a Pittsburgh or even a Cincinnati or something like that are, you know, probably not trading inside division, but, you know, uh, you know, some of those other teams that are, that are struggling, you know, to get a guy at shortstop that can play great defense and has the ability to, to hit major league pitching out of the ballpark, you know, it might be worth a gamble. Yeah. And I, and I'd wondered about that. I mean, I would think that, you know, I think that we're past the, uh, the era of, Hey, he's hot trade him now because right. people see through it so quickly. Right. And we've right. talked about this a lot on the, uh, on the show, but, um, I would think that he would bring some value, you know, to somebody. And I just don't know if that's in St. Louis anymore. And that pains me because I really like Dion. Mm. But it's one of those to where I feel like bringing him back, even with the power potential, kind of hurts the fluidity of what they have. You know, of that the athleticism yeah. up the middle. Not that he's not athletic, right. but you kind of, in, in in a way, have your power bat in uh, in Gorman, and then your your uh, your take a lot of pitches guys and, and everything else and Donovan Sosa and Edmund. And I mean, where Edmund has his faults by a lot, Edmund's a dang good player and he's a winning player and it's tough to take him out of the lineup. So I, I just see that, like I said, okay, not, not to beat a dead horse here, but that, that pathway just isn't very clear. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it's not, he's not kicked down the door either. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, again, Six homers in Memphis is not bad, but those ballparks are different. And um, I mean, I haven't looked at his game log. I don't know if he's done better as of late. Um, but let me look at it real quick. But well, and this is going to sound really lazy of me, but I kind of haven't looked for a reason. You know, it's one of those. It's kind of. I, I guess I have have fought that battle so long that now I'm just like, okay, now I'm kind of ready to move on. And I know that sounds yeah. really ridiculous, but. I will say he's hit four of his six home runs this month in June. Um, so that's something. Uh, he's hitting about 250 over the, well, let's see, that's what, nine games uh, in June. They've played um, both home and away. Um, and he didn't actually, yeah, he went over four last night. But um, so, that, you know, maybe that's something um, that people will look at. Um, he also has two doubles in that, so maybe he's starting to def- to figure it out. He has seven, four walks, seven strikeouts. You know, that's a kind of a line that's if he could translate that to the major leagues, which it's is about yeah, typical. Yeah, you know, then yeah, that's about what you would get out of Paul Young, and that'd be fine, especially for what a six million dollar contract. But you're right, I don't, I just don't see where that works out for the Cardinals right now. I mean, it's and that's the nature of baseball, right? I mean, even though you can be that guy, you know, if you get hurt. Or if you have some downtime, you know, the game can pass you by and all of a sudden your spot's not there anymore. Um, So we will, we'll see. I think that's something to keep eye on of of seeing how he's doing just because if he continues to hit like this, then yeah, I think he becomes a a trade piece and you're not going to be able to get majorly, you know, like a, you're not going to get what you would think you could get a major league shortstop that hit 30 home runs out of, you know, that kind of thing. Cause I don't know, like I said, I don't know what teams are going to think about, okay, well he can hit home runs in Memphis, but can he do anything in the major leagues anymore? Um, but you're right. They know this stuff they've got, you know, they know the pitch mix. They know, you know, they've got scouts looking at it. Plus the numbers they, you know, if they think that he's turned a corner, then 
if they think if, if Major League Baseball in general, not not the organization, but teams inside of it, think that he's turned a corner, then the Cardinals are going to be able to get quite a bit of for him. Or not yeah. quite a bit, but you know they're going to have a lot of different people off offering stuff for him. I think. Sure, uh, if if he goes to a favorable ballpark, you know right. that's that's another thing too. So yeah, I agree with that. It will be interesting to see. But in, I mean. I mean other than that, though, I mean, that's right. Is that what you're thinking? If they're looking for stuff, it's maybe a starting pitcher. Just, I mean, I think if they went and got a starting pitcher, it would be, they'd almost have to do like a, well, I say that. I, I was going to say they'd probably have to do like a Montas or something just to really make some value in the thing. Because yeah. if they're going out and getting this year's equivalent of J.A. Happ or uh, John Lester, they've got that in-house, right? They can do a yeah. Ponte and stuff like that. Um that said, you know, Mo might also say we need to, you know, we don't want to overwork these arms on the way down and they'll get a, yeah. you know, scratch veteran and, and put him in there. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think they'll just let the, let it ride more than anything. Yeah. And I feel like Thompson and Libertor are way pretty heavy in that situation. Yeah. You know, that's because I kind of wonder if they're not going to go, if they don't, or if they go get a pitcher with, um, with flexibility in years, you know, if they said, yeah, it, it, I, I would almost think that you're going to have to lose a Thompson or a Libertor to bring back a guy with that, that you control, you know yeah. what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. And so that would have to be your upgrade. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I think that is, is Montas one year or is he two? I, I think he's two because it's okay. he hasn't been traded yet. Yeah, okay. Then that would make a lot of sense. But but I don't know. You know, that that one seems all really obvious. Like I feel like we were doing this but with Barrios last year to where we thought, okay, this just makes too much sense and it was never really even close to happening. So yeah. I don't even know if he, I I feel like the, their flexibility with Thompson and Libertor probably trumps any pitcher that doesn't have that's not a major upgrade or has plenty of control. Uh, Montas is actually still just under arbitration. So yeah, he's got another arbitration year for next year. And so we'd have, yeah, so it'd be the end of this year and next year. Well, and, and yeah, I always ask the question, I mean, is that just the hot name on the market? And he, is he also that much true. better than what they have? Um, it's hard to know. I mean, I don't watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's kind of how I am right now is, I mean, there was a time where I would watch a lot of the West coast games, but I mean, I, I just don't as much as I used to, you know, especially <laughs> with college going on right now. So yeah, maybe. Actually, down the line, bed now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty rough. It's much more physical than I thought. <laughs> um, you know, Montas two and six, I mean, that didn't mean anything. Uh, three Oh six ERA. Um, He's got 78 strikeouts and 70 innings, which is nice. Uh, 211 average against a one whip and a 1.17 ground ball rate. So, I mean, and being that he's 29, I think. I don't know. He's not maybe not that old. I don't know why I thought that, but I don't. Yep, 29. That's why. Um, I mean, yeah, that's he would improve a team. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. Yeah. Does it, it you know, is it enough of an improvement to pay the price it's going to be? Because you're right. He's the name. And yeah, you know, yeah. everybody that needs pitching is going to be knocking well, on Oakland's door. I know that we could probably name 100 examples that fit this. But whenever we hear Montas and when I heard Manaya and I heard all those guys, I just made, made me think of Sonny Gray. And while Sonny Gray mm-hmm. is good, 
Sonny Gray didn't turn out to be the trade bait, the trade piece that everybody thought he was going to be, which was a substantial upgrade somewhere. You know, yeah. There's also the New York, which could have been a disaster, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, uh, Mania. Just do you say that? I wanted to pull him up. Mania's done pretty well for the Padres. Uh, yeah, Padres are good, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one thing that I, I was trying not to overlook when we were looking at the rankings. But yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm off task here, so no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, before we, I mean, wrap it up though. One last, one last piece. How long do you think they keep? TJ McFarlane on this roster. I don't know. I I'm kind of surprised he's still on the roster now. That you talk about, man. You didn't. I was honestly when they signed him, I was like, okay, good. You know, I felt like he was <laughs> he turned the corner and this is going to be that huge veteran to get outs. And boy, he's been bad, bad. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised he's still there, to be honest. I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if the organization <clears throat> signed him because they could do it quickly. Um, figuring he was going to be maybe yeah. not as good as he was last year, but still a, a solid presence and it's a bullpen arm, blah, blah, blah. But if they're, and then they pivoted to Garcia, but if they physically chose him over Garcia, I don't know what they were thinking. Right. I yeah. mean, because you know, Garcia and I'm, and I'm saying this, I haven't even looked. I know the last time I looked at Lewis Garcia, his numbers were pretty, and they were, I don't care what their numbers are. They're better than they are what uh, T.J. McFarland's numbers are. But, um, yeah, wrong Luis Garcia. But, <laughs> I I just, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to find, you know, there's, there's the one for Houston and then there's uh, the one in San Diego. But, um, but, you know, with Garcia was like, hey, he's got, you know, he's still got the fastball and stuff like that. And I would have bet and I think we probably talked about it at the, at some point in time, but I would have bet on his success for this year over McFarland's success, right? McFarland could have been a flash in the pan fluke type of thing. I know both of those guys have been DFA'd and they both came off the scrap heap, but it felt like Garcia had repeatable skills that that McFarland didn't. And, and again, I can see them trying to, you know, make sure they have one of them, but, if they literally thought he was better than Garcia, because Garcia only got a two-year deal and stuff, you, you wonder what this bullpen would look like if they still had Garcia and didn't have McFarland. Well, and you know what? Yeah, I feel like the Cardinals fall in love with left-handed guys a little too too quickly mm. because for so long they didn't have that right. um, in the in the lineup and in the bullpen. But you know, one thing this is not as prevalent as it was say eight to ten years ago. But give me velocity any day mm-hmm. in the bullpen. And I think yep. that's what you need. And I thought that's what Garcia brought. You know, so, you know, I it, it, I, I agree with that move, too. And it was – I was also one of those – I'm real guilty of this. Whenever they make a signing, I'm just like, okay, good. We got that out of the way. What's next? Right. You know, type of situation. Now we don't have to ponder on it. But, but yeah, he, I mean, he has been really bad. So, I, <laughs> you're just like, okay. It, you you feel like all, the, all that we've heard forever – is, uh, you know, how much they've banked the talent and pitching and how they can develop it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's move on from this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. To, and it's by the frustrating way, for him. I mean, I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah. And I know that he, you know, he talked about it. But um, after the <clears throat> race game where he forgot how many of the outs there were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Allowed, uh, bad look. I was like, was, oh, geez. yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, it's bad enough when anybody does that. But when a guy that has struggled so much. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and it winds up giving more more runs because of it um it's it's hard um by the way luis garcia has a 2.53 era and uh 22 strikeouts and 21 innings uh out there and he's not he's not been as dominant as he was last year but with st louis but it's pretty close so yeah <laughs> um we, wow. better um but yeah McFarland, i really honestly you, you you we we watch this stuff and we watch how teams react and stuff like that it really kind of felt like it was building to that you know i honestly expect that they would probably release mcfarland um before this homestand yeah um i i didn't know necessarily who was going to come up i don't know who um would fill that spot and maybe you know maybe it's a situation where when hicks or flaherty comes up that's it but that's still a week or two away and so maybe they're just gonna hold out but you know mcfarland now you can't you can't put him into any game that you think you can win um you know, they have won a couple games with him in it, but I don't know necessarily that was the plan. Um, and you just got to, I mean, every once in a while, about about every other time, he'll go out and throw, you know, scoreless innings. But yeah, he, he, he allows inherited runners to score. <laughs> yeah. He's got an ERA over the last, you know, last seven games or so. It's over 11. Um, he, he, I only has, I, got, I wrote about this this week, um, but he's only got one outing this year where he's only allowed one run. He either lost yeah. none or he lost multiples, and wow. you know that's that's hard. Uh, it's hard as a, a to kind of have to manage around that and say, you know, uh, you know, if you see, and Nick Wiggins not quite to that level, but it's like, well, if you see either one of those guys in, you're kind of thinking, man, are they going to win tonight? You know, um, yeah. Or does the organization just more mall think, okay, we're going to see if we can win tonight, so we can be sure to win the next couple of nights and save these arms, but yeah. It's hard. Exactly. All right. Well, we've gone an hour. Uh, we cover everything that we need to cover. Is there anything that I know you've been out <laughs> forever? Is there a part of this season that, that has caught your interest that we haven't talked about? Well, not much. We I felt like we covered a lot of ground today, and uh, I'm kind of excited to be back on the regular, and it was really kind of got my blood pumping to kind of talk some baseball again. Well, good, good. Um, Alan and I uh, hopefully will be recording in the mornings for a while now either on Friday or Saturdays. Yep. Um, and uh, so be a little bit of adjustment to when the episode drops, but uh, good to have the man back. And until next time for Daniel, I'm out. Uh, oh, for Alan, I'm Daniel. <laughs> what happens? We do it too early in the morning yeah. for Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Have a good weekend.